Good morning, NFL fans, and welcome to another edition of Monday Morning Huddle. I'm your host, Dave Holcomb. This is a podcast that comes out every Monday morning on our website, footballnation.com. And the first part of our show, we're going to talk about the last game from Sunday's action, week seven already in the NFL. And that last game on Sunday was was between the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Cincinnati Bengals, a division rivalry there, the AFC North. And uh, it was heavy Bengals in the early part of this game in the first quarter and into the second quarter, but the Steelers were able to tie it at halftime, 14-14, to and then ended up prevailing in the second half with a heavy dose of running from the third-string running back, Jonathan Dwyer, and the Steelers were able to prevail in this game, 24-17. to And the first part of this game that I want to talk about is that Steeler running game. So it's been absent for most of the year. We saw a pretty good uh, running game from the Steelers against the Eagles uh, two weeks ago in which uh, that was the first game Rashard Mendenhall was back in action. The only game actually Mendenhall has played the entire year. Uh, he played very little uh, Thursday night a week and a half ago against the Tennessee Titans and uh, the Steelers again had trouble running the ball. But today, no Richard Mendenhall, no Isaac Redman, the normal backup running back. So the third string was the starter in Jonathan Dwyer. And then uh, the fourth, essentially the fourth string is also playing uh, Byron Batch. We saw him drop a potential touchdown pass in the first quarter. Lots of drops in this game from both teams. But the Steelers, uh, in particular, had some miscues early on. Mike Wallace dropped three or four passes in the whole game, uh, something you don't see a lot from him. But the running game for the Steelers was quite effective. Uh, like I said, 30, uh, 31st rank, ranking in the NFL in running. But to, but Sunday against the Bengals netted 167 rushing yards, average of 5.8 yards per carry. Something that, again, if the Steelers are able to average that, yeah, they're never going to run more than they pass in, in, in this stage in the franchise with Ben Roethlisberger and their wide receivers, Todd Haley as the offensive coordinator. Uh, but if they're able to have some type of balance, if they're able to run 25, maybe maybe get up to 30 carries, uh, rushing carries in, in a game. Uh, today they had 29, so just below 30, uh, 70 total plays. So that's, that's not completely balanced, but um, compared to what the Steelers have been percentage-wise, a heavy dose of passing this year, um, 29 rushes uh, in 70 plays is reasonable, and obviously you got to love getting 167 yards total. Jonathan Dwyer, uh, again, was the leader, 122 yards total on 17 carries, so a very high average. Chris Rainey only had four carries, but he had the long uh, 11-yard run that was the game-winning touchdown early in the fourth quarter. He's a rookie out of Florida. is uh, also returning kicks for the Steelers. But on the other side of the ball, uh, there have been question marks for this on uh, for the Steelers' defense, which is surprising, as uh, any NFL fan will know. The the Steelers' defense is normally towards the top of the league, but this year they've really struggled. And all three of the Steelers' losses, uh, the, the Pittsburgh had the lead in the fourth quarter and ended up uh, blowing the lead and then ended up losing the game. 
who can contribute a little bit to the offense, not being able to put games away or, or, or hold on the ball and run out the clock. But ultimately, Steelers' defense, defenses time and again this year are giving up long scoring drives, long touchdown drives late in games. And that didn't happen today. Uh, they gave up 80 yards on the first drive uh, the Bengals had in, in the first quarter. Uh, and that made the game 7-3 to at that point in Cincinnati. Think about this. 80 yards on that drive, Cincinnati only had 185 yards of offense the whole game. So after that one drive, they only got 105 more yards, That they being Cincinnati, uh, the, the rest of the game. So th- that, that was quite impressive, I think, for, for the Steelers' defense, something that they can certainly build on um, as they go forward. And another big thing for, for the Steelers looking on their side, this is their first road win. Um now they're three and three. Baltimore lost today. We'll get get to Baltimore later in our show. Uh, Baltimore's five and two, so you're still two games back. But first division game of the season for for the Steelers. Uh, big road win. All three of their losses are on the road, so finally you get a a, a road win under your belt. Um, and you're going back home next week uh, against Washington. You you gotta like the way the Steelers played in this second half. A lot of mistakes. In the, the first half, uh, Roethlisberger throwing an interception, also lost a fumble deep in his own territory, which led to uh, Cincinnati's second touchdown. And at that point in the game, you thought Cincinnati might run away with this at 14-3. to uh, But typical Steelers, uh, I think, um, winning ugly, clawing back into this game. Somehow it's tied. And if you look at the stats, 431 yards of offense for Pittsburgh, 185 for Cincinnati, all the stats are heavy uh, favoring Pittsburgh. So it, just looking at the numbers, it's lucky that Cincinnati was even in this game. I guess you can contribute uh, early miscues from Pittsburgh, allowing Cincinnati to be in the game. Uh, but a good win for the Steelers. Looking at it from the Cincinnati viewpoint, uh, this is now their third loss in a row. They started the season 3-1, and one, uh, and, and their only loss was to a team... On the road, a Baltimore team that everybody thought was one of the top teams in the AFC. Uh, so that wasn't really a bad loss. But the last three are against Miami at home in Cleveland. Cleveland's only win uh, of the season. And then now at home against division rival Pittsburgh. And uh, Chris Collinsworth said it right. If Cincinnati wants to go anywhere, um, they have to be able to beat Pittsburgh. They have to beat Baltimore as well. These these guys have been at the top of the AFC, the top of the AFC North for years now, and if Cincinnati wants to pass them, they got to beat them. And as they're proving again this year, they haven't uh, been able to beat those teams, and they haven't even been able to beat Cleveland. So since uh, Cincinnati's 0-3 in the AFC North now have a losing record at 3-4. and uh, They got help today with Baltimore losing, but it's, it's an uphill battle. And if you look at the teams that... Um, Cincinnati has beaten, excuse me, they have beaten Cleveland. They've already played Cleveland twice, so they're 1-3 in in division games. But look at the teams they've beaten. They've beaten Cleveland, Washington, and Jacksonville. Not exactly the premier of the NFL. And the teams they've lost to, Miami's Cleveland, not great teams, 500 teams. Pittsburgh, 500 team as well, and, and Baltimore. So, you know... We'll see the next coming weeks where Cincinnati is. The next few weeks, they got Denver. First, they have a bye. Then they play Denver, New York Giants. Then they're at Kansas City. Those next three games are going to be really tough. Uh, 
Peyton Manning is getting more comfortable. Eli Manning looks like the best quarterback in the league, maybe. And at Kansas City is always tough. So definitely going to be a tough uphill battle for those Bengals. Moving into our second recap of the of our show, uh, the New England Patriots defeated the New York Jets in overtime at Foxborough, 29-26. This was an entertaining game, another division game like our uh, opening game that we went over, went over the Steelers and Bengals. Uh, this one coming from the AFC East. The number one story of this game, I think, New England blew another fourth quarter lead. Uh, they were up 23-13. to The Jets didn't really seem to have much life. Uh, but the Jets fought through this entire game, uh, making this close, obviously taking it into overtime. And uh, I think there's concerns in New England. Yes, they got a great win, and yes, they're now first in the AFC East, uh, which going into the de- going into Sunday, uh, it was a deadlock tie between all four teams at 3-3. At three and three. Uh, The Jets fall and the, the Bills fall, Dolphins on their bye. So the Patriots in first. We've seen the Patriots do this before. Go reel off a bunch of wins. You know they they could end up going uh, twelve and four. Uh, but you got to have some concern on why they haven't been able to close out games this year. When when you look at the stats, actually, Mark Sanchez had a considerable considerable more amount of passing yards than Tom Brady did. He also had a higher completion percentage. Threw one interception on a very badly thrown ball. Um, in the red zone, but overall, Mark Sanchez played very well. 328 yards on 48 attempts, completed 28. Again, completion percentage of 68.3. Tom Brady, 259 yards and two touchdowns, both to Rob Gronkowski. Gronkowski was all over the field today. Just when, when Brady needed a completion, Gronkowski was there. He had six catches, two of them for touchdowns. It seemed like Every catch came on third down as well. Uh, just a big game from Gronkowski. But like I said, this game was 23-13, and the Jets were able to score with 5.44 left in the fourth quarter. Got a stop, kicked the field goal to tie the game. Then a turnover on special teams. Devin McCourty, who actually returned a touchdown earlier in the game, returned a kick for a touchdown earlier in the game, something that I thought was a real turning point or, or um, spark for, for the Patriots as uh, you don't expect a Jets team to give up a big return. And considering the game was 23-13 to 13 at one point, I, 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 as I was watching this game, I was thinking, man, if the Jets hadn't given up that kickoff return, quite possibly this game could be 16-13. So that, that was a big play. And I think in the early in the second second half, on a third and one from around the two or three yard line of New England, the Jets elected to pass the ball rather than run it off. And and it was the announcers, Phil Sims and Jim Nance, made the point: the Jets are seven for seven on third and one when they run Sean Green, and you have Tim Tebow. So why they didn't bring in Tim Tebow in some kind of package where he could hand it off, option it to Sean Green, or keep it himself, I do not know. They, they elected to run another slant pattern, which the slant did not work all game for Mark Sanchez and his receivers. They ended up kicking a field goal. So rather than going up possibly 17-16, New England kept the lead and made it 16-13. Those are two, two big plays. That play and the kickoff return that really stuck out to me 
obviously in the late in the fourth quarter the 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 uh, fumble from uh, Devin McCourty that gave the Jets the ball um, was a big play. But then on third down, Mark Sanchez makes a great throw to uh, Stephen Hill. The rookie drops the ball. Would have been a sure first down. Try, he was trying to run with it before he caught it. This classic running without the ball. Dropped. They kicked the field goal. And the field goal gave them the lead, but if they... If Hill catches that ball and they keep move the, and they move the chains, they run more time off the clock. It was inside two minutes, and then even if they end up kicking a field goal and they don't get a touchdown, there's less time for Brady to come back and get the game tying field goal. So that was a big play. Obviously, Tom Brady is able to get the the ball back with about 1:30 left in the game. The Patriots 1:30 for Tom Brady seems like an eternity. Drove down the field, Gronkowski. Uh, Gruskowski, excuse me, 43-yard field goal to tie it, 26-26. Patriots got the ball first, field goal, and then a sack fumble of Sanchez on the Jets' drive, and the game was over. So once again, the, the Patriots get that big win over the Jets. They move to 4-3, first place in the AFC East. The Jets very much alive in a mediocre AFC. At, they are now 3-4. And the division really isn't out of hands for them. They've got some big games, uh, obviously still left. They're two and one in division play, and uh, still have a game against New England at their home stadium. So we're going to take a quick break, and then we're going to come back with some more game recaps on Monday Morning Huddle. We're back here on Football Nation's Monday Morning Huddle. I'm your host, Dave Holcomb. Once again, you can get a hold of me at my email, dmholcomb06 at gmail.com. You can follow me on Twitter. Also can tweet at me, dmholcomb. And you can also get other Football Nation news and articles that I write on Facebook at Dave's Football News. We're going to go into a recap of Thursday night's game between the 49ers and the Seahawks. All of a sudden, we've been talking about it quite a bit on our show. The NFC West is a very competitive division this year, and this was a showdown between two of the best teams in that division, uh, the Seahawks and the 49ers at Candlestick Park. The stars of this game, of course, were those two defenses and the running backs from each team, Marshawn Lynch and Frank Gore. Both ran for over 100 yards. Neither one got a ton of carries. Gore with 16, Lynch with 19. But Lynch, 103 yards. Gore, 131. Neither was able to find the, the end zone. I think that really speaks to how well the defense defenses played. A lot of field goals kicked in this game. Only one touchdown from Alex Smith. But... Um, the, the running backs ran really hard, um, some hard-nosed running, good hitting, good tackling, um, and th these running backs really impressed uh, against great defenses. But uh, one thing that I want to talk about with this game 
something that's referenced in C.A. Harrington's article, Seahawks 49ers, Five Things That We Learned From This Game, about Alex Smith. Now, he uh, he's had a, a rough few weeks, I think you could say, against the Giants, had several interceptions. Um, in this game, the, the 49ers were going in for another score, and he made a poor decision throwing into tight coverage, another interception in the red zone. Uh, that's something that no team wants to see happen, a turnover. While they're going in for a score, they have a field goal in their back pocket. Um, so I think the, there's a lot of controversy about uh, about whether Alex Smith should continue to play. And I don't buy into it, really. But um, I think the media, the national media, I don't know about the San Francisco media, but the national media has really been playing it up. Uh, I've seen stories on Yahoo about why uh, the, the backup uh, Colin Kaepernick should be playing. Of course, sometimes the backup quarterback is the most popular player on the team. But uh, interesting what Harrington says in his article um, with the five things he learned about this game. He thinks that the 49ers really can't consistently depend on Alex Smith to win games. He, he thinks that Smith, it's more his job not to lose games. And I would agree with that. There's, there's a lot of quarterbacks out there. You know what? I don't think there's anything wrong with that. If it's Smith's job not to lose it, if he's supposed to be a game manager and control the game, control the clock, keep your defense off the field when the defense is on the field, they're dominant. If the 49ers have all those pieces, which they do at this point, they have the running game, they have the defense, they have the special teams, they have the field goal kicker, why not play that type of, uh, type of football in the NFL? I have no problem with it. You don't have to have Tom Brady to win games. You don't have to have Aaron Rodgers to win a Super Bowl. And I, that's why I, I, I kind of like Alex Smith. I root for him. He's an underdog. Um, but is he the best quarterback in the league? Is he ever going to be? No. I, I think he's shown some um, in some games that he can make some big plays, for instance, in the playoffs against the, the Saints. Um, but consistently, he's not going to be the guy to win games. Uh, you don't really want a game um, coming down to a last-minute drive with him. If it does, though, I think he can do it. I think he can take this team to the Super Bowl, and that's why I think he should should continue to start. I, I But I agree with what Harrington says in that Smith is more of a game-controlling quarterback um, for the 49ers. But I, I like the way the 49ers are playing, despite um, losing two, two games. They really got killed by the Giants at home. But they're five and two. Um, they're, I think, they're still a top five team, maybe a top three team in the NFL, and uh, I think they're going to win the NFC West. Seattle, the question marks for them, I think. What kind of road team are they going to be? We know they're really tough in Seattle. That defense is really good in Seattle. But are they going to be able to win enough road games to get into the playoffs, especially in a really tight NFC? We haven't really mentioned it on our show. The NFC, a really tough, competitive conference. And if you're not going to win your division, which I think Seattle's going to have a tough time doing with the 49ers, it's going to be really hard getting a wild card berth. As opposed to the AFC. The AFC, a lot of mediocre 3-3, three and 4-3, three, 3-4 and, three, three and four teams. So it's going to be tough to make it from the NFC. Is Seattle going to be able to win enough road games to get in? Uh, that's a question that 
is not going to be answered this week. But uh, the, I think the other thing for the for the Seahawks, Russell Wilson, he's playing better and better. Uh, if you look at the stats, they don't really stick out to you, especially in this game. Nine for twenty-three, one hundred and twenty-two yards and interception. Not a very good game. Uh, but he's playing the 49ers. He's playing on the road in prime time. Uh, I've I liked what I've seen from Russell Wilson so far, especially in the Green Bay game. He he played very well and. He's putting his team in positions to win the game. And kind of like Alex Smith, he's not going to win the game for you consistently. But if he doesn't lose the game, there's other great players around him that can win it. So we're going to take another quick break, and then we're going to come back with our fourth and long segment. Welcome back to Football Nation's Monday Morning Huddle. I'm your host, Dave Holcomb. And we're going to move into our fourth and long segment. If you haven't heard our show before, this is the part of the show that I uh, say a statement and I'm either going to grunt where I agree with what I say or I'm going to punt it away and that means I disagree with the statement. And in the first statement, going back to that NFC West, a very popular topic here in the early part of our season, in the NFL season, from an article from our own Football Nation contributor, Cooper Allen. We had him on the show a few weeks ago. Allen wrote a great article. NFC West Review, Cardinals and Rams prove they are pretenders. Now, we talked to Allen about Arizona um, a week after their, a couple days actually, after their first loss of the season. Since then, they've lost two more games. They've lost three in a row and are now 4-3 and three after that 4-0 and start. Kevin Cobb has been out with an injury and uh, that means John Skelton is back into the lineup. Arizona misses Kevin Cobb. That's one of the um, points Cooper Allen would make, was making. But my statement, Cardinals and Rams are pretenders in the NFC. I'm going to agree. Um, uh, Cooper Allen knows his Cardinals. Uh, he's a very knowledgeable guy. He's very loyal. Sounds like a very loyal fan from what I'm talking to him um, out there in Arizona. But um, this is a team, this is a young team. They're not used to winning a lot of games. They lost to Minnesota on Sunday. Minnesota, surprisingly, we're not going to be able to talk about them much in our show, but we should. At 5-2, and two, they're at the top of the NFC North. Unbelievable. Um, but without Kevin Cobb, the, the Cardinals' offense really seems to be in disarray. That offensive line hasn't been very good. And you know what? As much as we want to make out that football today is about stars and about fantasy players and such like that, the NFL football is one in the trenches. I I am a firm believer of this. This is why I still think running the ball is important. Football is one with your offensive and defensive line. Who can control that line of scrimmage? If you can control that, you can protect your quarterback and you can get a push up front and run the ball. And on defense, your goal is to prevent the other offense from doing those things. Football is won in the trenches. Arizona does not have the offensive line to be able to do that. I think in a tough NFC, once again, 
Arizona is is not the real deal, though. They're playing San Francisco on Monday night in a couple weeks, so we'll have a better idea of where Arizona stands after that game. For the Rams, no one really thought the Rams were going to be contenders this year. As, as Cooper Allen said on our show a few weeks ago, they're a building team. Jeff, Jeff Fisher's first season as head coach there in St. Louis, um, they get a few more pieces. They could be a real contender in a, in a year or two. Um, but getting back to the trenches, that defensive line in St. Louis really has impressed me. I've only seen them play once on that Thursday night against Arizona, where I, th- I believe they got eight or nine sacks in that game. Uh, I-, I like the defensive line that uh, it wasn't all Fisher because he's new there this year, but that defensive line that St. Louis has really been able to put together, it's going to be a good one for many years to come. Our next statement uh, going to New Orleans Saints, a team that's been in prime time a lot, um, even though they have a losing record at 2-4. and four. Not playing in prime time this week, but they defeat Tampa Bay 35-28. to 28. They were able to hold on. Uh, Tampa Bay was driving late in the game for that uh, game-tying game score, but uh, the Saints were able to hold on, get a much-needed victory. Next week, they have a tough game against Denver on Sunday night, but they get their head coach back, or interim head coach back, Joe Vett. So the statement, the New Orleans Saints can get back into this and make a possible playoff run. I'm going to agree. I I don't think the Saints are out of it yet. Do I think it's going to happen? No, I don't think so. I don't think the Saints are going to make the playoffs. They They haven't been my playoff picks since day one of the season. Um, in the South or a wild card. But I wouldn't count Drew Brees and the Saints out. I think they can make a run at it. They're 2-4 and four right now. I think at the most, at most, they can lose two more games. They need to be at least 10-6 and six to get a wild card berth. But I think it's going to be tough in that NFC. I keep saying it, so uh, I sound like a broken record. But 11-5, and five, you might have to be 11-5 and five this year in the NFC to, to, make, to make it as a wild card. But uh, I think I give the Saints... Two more losses max if they want to make the playoffs. I don't count Drew Brees out. You never count an offense out and a quarterback like Drew Brees out of any game. Going back to that AFC, I've mentioned that I think it's really mediocre this year. The top two teams in that AFC conference uh, battling it out today as the Baltimore Ravens visit the Houston Texans. Houston. Now, Houston was coming off a tough loss against Green Bay where the Aaron Rodgers threw for six touchdown passes. you got to take that into effect, I think. People don't really realize Houston was probably angry all week, and they were going to take it out on Baltimore. Baltimore was coming off um, kind of a lackadaisical win against Dallas. They lost their leader in Ray Lewis. They're on the road. So everything was pointing in Houston's favor, and Houston completely destroyed the Ravens 43-13. to But my statement, the Ravens are no longer the favorite in the AFC North. I'm punting this away. I think Baltimore still is the favorite. To me, there are question marks on that defense. They got back Terrell Suggs, though. Um, They have injuries. Ray Lewis is obviously out for the season, as as probably everybody out there knows. Uh, Ed Reed has been off and on with whether he's playing. Um, Again, Terrell Suggs coming back is a big plus. But as always, Joe Flacco on that offense is really the question mark for, for Baltimore. Why don't they use Ray Rice more? 
Why isn't he carrying the ball 25 times a game? I've said this several times on our show. You got one of the best backs in the league. It's the same thing. The Eagles, I say the same thing with the Eagles. LaShawn McCoy and Ray Rice, why don't they get carries? Why don't get they get touches? I, I don't I don't understand um, why you try and make Joe Flacco look like your best offensive player when it's Ray Rice and you're forcing things and Joe Flacco throws an interception return for a touchdown. Um, I don't get it. Um, but I, I do think Baltimore can return to running running the ball with Ray Rice or at least passing the ball to Ray Rice, make him your focal point on offense. I, I still think, and partially because Pittsburgh and Cincinnati, neither one as of yet are grabbing the bull by the horns and really saying we can compete with Baltimore. I think Pittsburgh could get there, but they're not there yet. They're 3-3. They're three and three. Cincinnati could have done it on Sunday by beating Pittsburgh at home, but they didn't do it, so they, they, I'm not too high on them. So kind of by default, I think Baltimore is still the, that favorite in the AFC North, but it's going to come down to probably the two matchups between Pittsburgh and those matchups were coming late in late November and late December. Funny how that schedule works out. Uh, luckily, Baltimore was happy it was later in the season originally so they could get back to Ralph Suggs. Suggs has been a real stealer killer uh, through his whole career, but now without Lewis... They're going to be missing him for those probably two key matchups against the Steelers later in the year. We're going to take one more quick break, and then we're going to come back and wrap up today's show. And we're back here on Football Nation's Monday Morning Huddle. I'm your host, Dave Holcomb. One more reminder, you can get a hold of me on Twitter at my handle, D-M-H-O-L-C-O-M-B. You can email me, D-M-H-O-L-C-O-M-B-0-6 at gmail.com. Or you can find more news on Facebook. You can find this podcast on Facebook at Dave's Football News. I'm going to leave our listeners with a question for you guys. This is the first time I'm ever doing this. I'd like to hear your responses. I will give you a question, and, I, and I'm going to answer the question. But I'd like to get more interaction on our show. Uh, you can leave a comment answering the question uh, below uh, the this article where you're listening to the to the, our show on Football Nation. Or you can, uh, like I said, tweet at me, email me, or write at me at uh, on Facebook, Dave's Football News. That question, what division do you think is the most competitive in the NFL right now? There are eight divisions, of course. Um, I believe the more competitive conference is the NFC. I think that's pretty hard to argue uh, otherwise. So picking a division within the NFC, the East is always talked about, but I don't think it's the East. The South, other than Atlanta, is pretty much eh, just average i'd say at best we've always talked about the nfc west on our show as being a great division this year great defense but i'm gonna go with the nfc north that of course is leading into our introduction 
for Monday night's game if you're listening on Monday between the Chicago Bears and the Detroit Lions. Uh, I think it's going to be a really great game, another division matchup. All the games we recap today were division games uh, coming from the AFC North, AFC East, and the NFC West. So another great one within the NFC North. But I believe that's the best division with the Bears, Vikings, Packers, and Lions. Um, of course, our NFC North um, beat writer, Tom Pollan, we've had him on our show before. He wrote a great article about uh, the NFC North in Week 7. You should check it out on footballnation.com. It actually uh, is up on our sister website, Cold Hard Facts, coldhardfootballfacts.com. But I believe that is the best division in football. Um, I think the Bears are going to end up winning that game. Uh, they could move to 5-1. and one. They'd be in first by half a game over the Vikings, who are 5-2. and two. If they do fall to the Lions, they'll be 4-2, and two, and then that would mean the Vikings are 5-2, and two, Bears 4-2, and two, Packers 4-3. and three. And to be honest, I think the Packers look like that the best team in that division right now. I really like the Bears, though, the way they looked against the Cowboys. That defense is flying. I just think the Packers are too one-dimensional. When Rodgers is great, this, the, the team is great. When Rodgers is off, when he doesn't get the protection he needs, Packers are an average team. So I, I think the Packers are going to be there. And quite uh, quite honestly, I think we could have three to, three playoff teams from that NFC North. And the Detroit Lions, of course, the team we're not talking about, they made the playoffs last year and could get back into things with a win against Chicago on Monday. They'd be at 3-3, three and three, and then that means everybody in the division is 500 or better. So I think things in the NFC North are really heating up, and that's what I would pick for the best division in football. But I'd love to hear from you fans. Write to me on Twitter, email, write on the comment of the article, whatever. What is the best division in football as of the end of Week 7. Of course, besides that Monday night game tonight, Game 7 of the National League Championship Series should be a great one. Uh, I don't know how many baseball fans we have out there listening to our podcast, but I'm a huge baseball fan. Tough choice between Monday night football or the playoffs. Um, well, I'll have to DVR the other one and watch it after, but just an exciting time to watch sports. Late October, you have great baseball and then of course the football season is really starting to kick into gear with the the middle of the season approaching very quickly but that's all we have for today's show thank you for listening out there i'm gonna go try and find some peace in my mind <laughs>